Well, good morning, everybody. If you've been with us for a while, you might know that we have spent quite some number of months focused on this idea of story. That God is writing an incredible story, a story of redemption that came to its climax in Jesus, but also a story in each of our lives and together as His church. That God is writing our story. If you were with us back in the fall, maybe you joined us in the basement. We actually made handmade journals, like hardcover, case-bound journals, so that we could capture our story and encourage the process of journaling and reflection. Or maybe you know that the theme of the sabbatical, when my family and I disappeared from four months, uh, was let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, right out of Psalm 107. Even last weekend, we had a great opportunity to celebrate together. And I just want to say thank you to all of those who helped put that event on at the Gloucester House. A fantastic meal, a chance for us to hear a little bit of what God has been doing in your midst and for us to share a little bit of the crazy things He's been doing in ours. We had a chance to look back and tell our stories. I love looking back and telling the great story of what God does. But there is something, one thing, that I like even more than that. And that's looking ahead to what God is about to do. And so as I've come back and we start teaching again, the series we're in is called The Next Chapter because we have looked back, we have shared stories, and by no means should we ever stop telling those stories. The Scriptures are filled with examples of the Old Testament people of God, of the New Testament people of God, rehearsing and telling the great stories of what God has done. But we also need to be mindful that God is not dead. God is not dormant. He is not passive. But that He is alive and active and at, on the move in this world. If we would but listen. If we could just pay attention. If we could adopt a posture of expectancy. Saying, God, we expect You to speak. We expect You to shake us to the core of who we are. We expect You to challenge us and call us forward into knowing You more and to serving Him better among ourselves and out in the cities in which God has placed us. And so we're taking some time this spring to look through different characters of the Bible that God brought to this point of, let's close that chapter, turn the page, and oh my... A new chapter is beginning. Now what? And we want to try and learn, try to glean from these characters in Scripture what it means to adopt a posture of receptivity to the Lord. If we could get rid of some of the distractions, and that takes an intentional decision in this age of distraction in which we live. If we're able to quieten our hearts and our minds and get ourselves to the place where if we're still enough, we just might pick up on the great melody of God and might even be able to join the song. So if you were here with us last week, brief recap to bring us up to speed, we learned that it is never too late for God to begin the next chapter. Who did we study last week? Call it out. Abraham. You're all wrong. It was Abram. No, it was Abraham. We looked at Genesis 12 and we saw that what God called Abram to was too costly. He had to leave his country, his family, his people and go somewhere that, well, God will tell him later. So he had to give up everything. It was impossible, right? God said, you'll be a blessing through your seed. All nations on earth will be blessed. You're like, yeah, but my wife can't have children. This doesn't work. And he was 75 years old 
when God said it's time. 75. If you're anywhere near that age, I wanted you to hear last week, God might just be getting started with you. But we saw that it is never too late for God to begin the next chapter. It is never too late. But can it be too early? Oh. Do you need a certain prerequisite before God will invite you into His kingdom purposes? Is there a training class you're supposed to attend first? I've got some children in my family that are trying to get their driver's licenses and there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Are there equivalent hoops in the kingdom of God? Must you have been a Christian for 7.23 years have taken three discipleship classes and before God will even begin to say, I have something in store for you. Judging from the the restlessness that I just heard, I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement. But just let me be clear. You are never too young to be a part of what God is doing in the world. You are never too young. Now again, last week we looked at age and said that can be a chronological thing. Like you can actually be like really, really old. Or it can be a spiritual thing. Saying I've been a Christian forever. Well, youth can also be similarly chronological. It can refer to children. Or it can refer to new Christians. Young in spirit. Young in this new life that God has called us to. And I believe this morning the Scriptures are going to teach us that you are never too young because we're trying to clue into what God is doing. It's not on us. It's not our machinations. It's not our schemes and ploys and, and, and strategies that we need an MBA in order to figure out how to plot the future. You actually don't. I'm not saying those things will hurt, but I'm saying that far more important than an MBA is a posture that listens and tries to tune into what God is doing in the world. And so this morning, we are going to look at a character in Scripture for whom God said, guess what? I have the next chapter in store for you. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. And it seems only appropriate this Mother's Day to take a look at the character of Mary. And you might say, but Tim, it's not Advent. We don't talk about her it's unless it's Christmas. Are we getting a story today? No. But if you turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, I would invite you to follow along with me. It is not page 856. That was a placeholder and I forgot to change it. Say again. If you have a Black Pew Bible, I'm pretty sure it is 830. Unless George has a different Bible, in which case, uh, we'll pray for him. (laughs) Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. I'm actually not reading the whole thing, but in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... Now, Elizabeth, I know we're like six words in. Remember, Elizabeth is like Mary's cousin or something, and and she was really, really old. And the Lord showed up to her and her husband Zechariah and said, you're going to have a kid, and that, that was John the Baptist. So even in this text, you're never too old for God to bring you to the next chapter. But that's last week, sorry. 
Let's go back to this week. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. I am thankful for God's word. The fact that we have these great people from history where God moved in powerful ways in their lives and we get to learn from their example. And Mary, well, Mary's a rock star. She's amazing because I think... Perhaps even better than any other character in the Bible, she teaches us just by her existence that you are never too young to be part of what God is doing in the world. Right? When you think of Mary in her context, in her story, it would have been very easy to say she's too young. We're expecting too much of her based on her age, and what we're asking of her is just too impossible. Right? When we get to, let's start with the too young part. You saw it right in the text. Verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to the man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. Now the Bible does not tell us how old Mary was. So let's just be clear on that. But we can make a fairly educated guess on the age of Mary based on first century Roman Empire documents that survive to this day. Uh, ancient Jewish documents, even writers from the period that have written about marriage contracts and things like that. Most commentators agree that Mary would have been eh, about 13 years old. 13 or 14 years old when the angel shows up. Think of some 13 and 14 year olds in your life. I've had a couple couple more on the way. That's not an announcement. They're just younger than 13. (laughs) Surprise! Four months on a sabbatical. No. No, stop. 13 years old. I'm going to get it for that one. 13 years old. When you think of the life stage of our 13-year-olds, you say, sure, let's entrust the Savior of the world to this one. 
know. Some of them are, may, might be able to pull it off by God's grace and with His help. Um, but of course, if God calls you to it, He's going to provide all the way through. And God called a 13 or a 14 year old girl in first century Roman Empire. And if nothing else, we can see, <laughs> even from that alone, that you're never too young to be part of what God is doing in the world. You're never too young. Now, it also seems like that we're asking an awful lot of Mary. And by we, I really mean, you know, God. Expecting so much of one so young. At 13, Mary, I think, had some issues with this. I don't think she was just like immediately saying, sweet, let's do this. As much as, well, the Scripture actually says, so Mary was greatly troubled at His words. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. I mean, in part, we need to recognize that a supernatural angelic messenger has just shown up in like her bedroom, so fear may be a very natural response. If you look through all the birth narratives, right? Every time an angel shows up, people drop and they're all like, stop being afraid already. But it also could be, wow, God is actually speaking to me? Who am I? I'm, no, I'm troubled at what kind of greeting this must be, might be. Whatever it is, it's, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be more than I can handle. Whatever it is, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be beyond me. There's something about this, this expectation that is put on this 13 or 14 year old girl. But we need to remember what God is teaching us through this is that you're never too young to be part of what God is doing in the world. It may seem like too much for us as we look back on the story and say, can you imagine that being expected of one of our 13 or 14 year olds? And then it comes to the impossibility factor. And as if it's not impossible enough that a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old could be used by God, but then there's the whole like, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And here we just need to be reminded, nothing is impossible for God. He uses the most unexpected people in fact, He delights in using the most unexpected people. Very seldom does God say, look, there's the biggest, there's the strongest, there's the smartest, and there's the one who has everything going for them. I'm going to use them. No, He says, let's find a backwater village in Nazareth and find a peasant girl who's 13 or 14 years old and bring the Savior of the world in that way. It's completely unfathomable. Completely impossible. Again, just by her mere presence in Scripture, by God's choice to use her, you're never too young to be part of what God is doing in the world. And what I get excited about is seeing how Mary responded. It's one thing for an angel to show up and say, BAM! Hi, God wants to use you. But there's all kinds of people through Scripture that don't respond very well to that. Think about Moses. God says, I'm sending you to my people. And Moses is like, yeah, what if they don't listen to me? And God says, well, here's some miracles you can do. And he's like, yeah, but I don't do the talk good. And he says, fine, I'll send Aaron. He can be your spokesperson. Like, God has to like 
coerce Moses into going along with the plan. Or someone like Gideon. You're like, Gideon, mighty warrior. And he's like, you talking to me? I'm a coward. I, I, I'm not a mighty warrior. God doesn't go after. And, and so people throughout biblical history have this encounter with, with God and a lot of them recoil. A lot of them pull back. A lot of them say, here are all my excuses. I'm too young. You're asking too much. It's impossible. And what does Mary say? I'm the Lord's servant. Oh, that's so good. I am the Lord's servant, Mary says. May your word to me be fulfilled. I want that kind of faith. Those are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. After some initial apprehension, after some greatly troubledness with the word, the greeting, and the, the fear of angelic warrior messengers, it doesn't take her long before we see the true character of Mary shining in the pages of Scripture. And the result? We get one of the most beautiful songs recorded in all of Scripture. It's called the Magnificat. Mary begins to sing, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Things are about to get hard for her. And she says, the Mighty One has done great things for me. And what is this great thing? Jesus. Through Mary's obedience, her humility, her desire to honor God in every aspect of her life, God sends Jesus who lived a perfect life that we might actually see a clear picture of our God. Who died on the cross to take the penalty for our rebellion and our brokenness and the mess we make of our lives. Who rose again to offer us resurrection life in His name. And who's coming back any day now. And He's going to take us home to be with Him. That all came through a 13 or 14 year old girl named Mary. So I guess the question that it begs for us this morning, having seen Mary, having seen this example of great faith, and that youth was no barrier, it leads to how, how will we respond to Mary's example? And I want to start with grown-ups. And you're like, wait, we're not 13 or 14. Some of us actually pretend to be. But I mean like grown-ups who might be new followers of Jesus. Last couple of years. And you're saying, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing. I'm still trying to figure out this whole Jesus gig. I don't know how to do church. And I, I don't know when to stand or sit. And so I'm really help, glad they tell me. 
Um, and what mode am I in right now? When, when should I start serving? When do I, I should probably just stay chill because God probably won't, won't even be interested in me for another three or four years. And that's just not true. If you are a new follower of Jesus, you need to know that God created you. God loves you. He sees you right now. He's given you gifts, abilities, passions, interests, and His great desires to see you using those things to build up His church and to serve this unbelieving world in which He's placed us. And that can happen now. He may say, you know, leadership, let's give that a couple of years. He may say, you know, start pioneering some brand new ministry. Let's, let's, let's get you some life experience first or some spiritual maturity. But there's never a point when God says, you're useless to me until next Tuesday. We are valued by God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He has prepared in advance for us to do. So if you are a new follower of Jesus, you should be living in a posture of expectancy saying, okay, Lord, you might not send an angelic warrior messenger to me, but what are you calling me to? Where are you stirring my heart? How can I be involved in what you're doing in the world? Help me tune into your story instead of being so wrapped up in my own. Grown-ups, new followers of Jesus, you're in the thick of it. I also want to talk to college students because there is a myth that is prevalent among college students, at least it was in my day, and I recognize that was like a hundred years ago, that college is a time of preparation so that you can graduate and get out there and change the world. I agree. College is a time of preparation so you can eventually graduate and get out there and change the world. However, if that is all you've got, you are dramatically missing out. College is not just preparation. You have a chance right now to be part of what the kingdom of God is up to in this world. We are so glad. If you're a college student and you're here this morning, we are so glad you are part of our church. And we desperately hope that church is not just a place you go on Sunday mornings because you grew up going to church. But rather, you see this as a community that says, God sees me. He sees my gifts. I'm not too young. I don't have to wait until some later time to be involved. I can go serve at the open door tomorrow night. I can be involved in some of the ministries here. I can be on the worship team. I can help in children's ministry. There's so many opportunities for you to use your gifts. Not in just a holding pattern until you graduate and then you can serve, but right now. When I look around at the leadership of our church, with a few uh, well-seasoned uh, exceptions, many of our leaders started as college students who attended our church 10, 15 years ago. And now they're on the lead team. They're on the elders board. They're leading ministries. They're leading us in worship. Students, we need you. We love you. And you don't need to wait for some future reality that someday you'll have an impact for the kingdom of God. It's happening now. Don't miss it. I also want to talk about Youth Center because we have an incredible team of people working with our youth at this church. And I admire them beyond words because they have more energy than I can even dream about as they try to keep up with some of our 13 and 14 year olds all the way up to the end of high school, middle school and high school. And I'm so thankful for those youth leaders because youth center students who are here today, you need to hear that you can be a part of what God is doing in the world. 
that you're not some sort of second-class citizen in church. We don't just tolerate you until you get old enough to be interesting. You matter. God made you. He made you a certain way. He made you with gifts and passions and abilities. And you have a chance. I know some of you are serving at the open door. I know some of you are helping in children's ministry. Keep going. Keep exploring. Keep asking, what is it, Lord, that you're making me? Who have you made me to be? How can I just be a part of what you're doing in the world? Because I guarantee you, God's not saying, well, you've got to wait till you graduate. He delights in those who are listening and who are adopting a posture to receive His Word from Him. I think of our children's Sunday school. And I think, again, we have an incredible team, some of whom have been teaching for years and years and years and years. And we love them all. But there's again, there can be a misunderstanding when it comes to children's ministry. Uh, we invest in children because children are the future of our church. And that, that sounds good, right? And, and it is good. That's not wrong. But they'd better not just, just be the future of our church. They are the now of our church. They are full members of this covenant community of faith. They belong here. They are not simply to be tolerated. They are not simply to be relegated to a different wing so that we can get on with doing big church. Ask any of the Sunday school teachers and you will get story after story of kids who are understanding who God is. They're, they're talking to their friends about Jesus. They're praying for their friends as their friends go through hard times. They're, they're praying for one another. They're serving. They're, these kids can teach us so much. They, they See, as we get older and we turn into adults, this nasty thing happens. We get cynical. We get jaded. And we start saying things like, oh, we're too old. Or, oh, we're too young. Oh, that's too costly. Oh, it's too impossible. And you say a kid to a kid, hey, God's going to do this. And they're like, sweet, I'm in! Yeah, but don't you understand how impossible that is? Is He God or is He not? And, the, and you stand there being humbled by a child who has a faith that just doesn't need to be so complicated. Man, we have so much to learn from them. They are not just over there or up there having a Christ-centered snack. <laughs> they matter. And I even think of the nursery. And you're like, seriously, Tim, you're going all the way there? Uh, technically, that's younger than Mary was. Yes, it is. Um, and okay, they're pre-verbal. Sure. Not a lot of evangelism going on. Uh, don't see too many of them with sandwich boards on on the street corners. Have you ever served in the nursery? Raise your hand if you have served in the nursery. Yes! Thank you. The rest of you. Your turn. For this reason, I had the privilege of serving in the nursery once this past... I don't get to do it a lot, right? I'm kind of usually occupied during church. But I had a chance to serve in the nursery. And Michael brought Killian in. And I think he was trying for a photo op, so he like ran in, dumped him in my lap, and ran out and got his camera. And Killian just started screaming. And there's this photo circulating somewhere of me going like... Eh, with a screaming child in my arms. But after that horrible parenting decision... Um, I got to spend an hour and change with Killian, and I'm telling you, by the end of it, we were buddies, and we were lying on the ground playing with cars, and every time he wanted somebody else's car, I was right there to help him with this car, which was even cooler, and there is something 
about when a kid just crawls over to you, sits in your lap, and sort of throws a book in your face? Like, read this now. Like, right now. But there is an affection that comes. Kids will minister to you in the nursery. Now, there may be some separation anxiety and some tears and some crying and and all that good stuff that comes along with it. An occasional smelly diaper, that happens. But you, you might have the chance for a toddler, for an infant, to snuggle in and make you feel valued as you care for them. That's being a part of what God is doing in the world. Our nursery is serving Jesus and not just the staff. Which brings me full circle to grown-ups again. And this time, like sort of inclusio, right? Book ends, grown-ups at the beginning, grown-ups at the end. But this time I'm talking about old followers of Jesus. So us old farts who can't really be considered young or youthful in any way. And what I think about when I consider the rest of us is this. Going back to the text, going back to Mary, what do you think prepared her to respond the way she did in that moment? Remember, a 13 or 14 year old girl who says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have said. What has happened in her life to get her there? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Her father, her friends, her family, her community, all the old farts in her neighborhood who said she wasn't a waste of space or an inconvenience, but who raised her to know the Lord, who invested in her, who mentored her, who told her the old, old stories, and told her the new, new stories of what God is doing. An entire generation of people who don't see the young as an inconvenience, but who see them as the very agents of transformational, redeeming change in the world. So when I think about what our response should be, For the rest of us, man, we should be pouring into the youth of our church. We should be teaching Sunday school. We should be in the nursery. We should be taking kids out for ice cream even when they're not ours. We should be volunteering at Youth Center. Even just being a volunteer in the classroom without having to carry the full weight of lesson planning and I can't do that. Fine, you don't have to. We have teachers. But boy, we could use an extra body. And not because we need a pulse and a breathing rate, but because we need more people to love on these kids and to shape their entire worldview so that when they grow up and when God shows up with an angelic warrior and says, here's the plan, the children of community church say, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. Hmm. Adults, grown-ups, old people. This is our calling. And youth, students, children, this is yours. Pay attention to what God is doing around you. You live in a world that is so distracted. You're growing up in an age of distraction. Your brains are being wired to be distracted. The only way you can hear God's voice is if you choose to reject that mode and make silence in your world. To choose to say, I don't need to have the TV on all the time. I don't need to have my MP3 player going. 
my MP3 player? How old am I? I don't need my yellow Sony Sports Walkman. Why are only old people laughing? I'm just saying, making space and realizing that God is not just an idea, Christianity is not just a worldview, but there is a personal God who knows you and wants to speak to you and has something to say about your life and wants to invite you in to an incredible relationship with Him. And we as a church don't want you to miss it. I think if it comes right down to it, maybe you've got the idea by now. You are never too young to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And as we start talking about the next chapter, we usually don't know what the next chapter is going to be. Right? When you're reading a book, you don't know until you turn the page. Even as a church, I'm coming back from a sabbatical going, I don't remember what the last chapter was, much less what the next chapter is going to be. The future is always uncertain. The question is not, can we nail down exactly what God is about to do? The question is, can we adopt a posture that is open and receptive to what God is about to do? And can we do so not as just the elite mature few, but to recognize that you are never too young to be part of what God is doing in the world? That's it. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for a church that really does love its children well, that loves its high school students and middle school students well, that loves college students, young singles. Um, Thank You for even just the, the prevalence of youth in our church. In as much as last week we can celebrate those who are well seasoned of years, this week we celebrate those who are just getting going. And we are so thankful that You're a God who doesn't have a bunch of hoops for us to jump through or a bunch of prerequisites we have to fill out before we can know You and meet You and be in relationship with You. God, I pray that You would empower us to be a church that sees the young not as inconveniences, but as the very core of Your church that if if raised well, if invested in, if loved well, if supported and encouraged and empowered, that they'd be ready to say, we are the Lord's servants. God, make that true in our church. Inspire our older people to invest in the young and call the young up. Give them a glimpse of You and Your glory and the good plans You have for their lives and for this world. Help them to see that there's hope and a future because You are good. Because our sins have been paid for. Because the way back into right relationship with You has been accomplished through everything that Jesus has done on the cross and in rising again. As we talk about next chapters, we can't help but have hope. Because there is a next chapter. And the next chapter is being written by the God of the universe. We choose hope. And we pray for hope among our children and our students and eyes to see the ways You're calling them to be part of it all. And we ask all this in Your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.